What's up, movie friends? Welcome back to another episode of Letterboxd Recap, where we go through all the movies we've been watching, as well as rating the Letterboxd Top 4 of five of you listeners. James, we finished our super secret project, and now we have time to watch movies again. How many did you get in your in your weekly watch this piece? I got this past week? so many movies, and I got five movies in. Five? Whoa! Yes, yes, Whoa. yes. Well, I thought your average was eight. Last time we well, talked. Well, because we're still, we're not just because we finished the Super Secret Project doesn't mean we're not super still, st- still super busy because I'll be away all January in the United Kingdom. So I've just been editing my butt off because we're getting ahead of schedule. We're filming all of our episodes for January right now. I know. I'm just saying, if, you're, if your average is an eight, I'm still waiting for like the weeks of 10 or 11 to keep that average up. Well, I'm just letting you know that there's a reason why I don't have 17 movies watched like you because I'm doing a bunch of edits. I don't have 17. I watched 13 this past week. Like that's far away from 17. <laughs> you're acting like that's way different. It's pretty fucking close. <laughs> I'm surprised how close it was to 17. I think you have a problem, man. No, I don't. You're averaging almost two a day. Almost, almost, almost got there. Two movies a day. I had a couple of three day, three movie marathon days. What happened there? You, you and Juno fell asleep for too long. Yeah, I couldn't stay up. <laughs> couldn't stay up for uh, one of them. <laughs> I passed out. <laughs> now, let's get into the first movie I watched this week. So we did an episode on this movie that we both watched together, American Pie. And if you want to check out that episode, it's actually really funny. And I gave the movie three and a half stars. It's actually. Better than I remembered. I thought it was going to be horrible, but it was actually pretty fun. Comedy still works. There's a couple of cringe moments, but overall, it's still a pretty enjoyable teen comedy, honestly. I freaking love it still. We were laughing so goddamn hard. Oh, yeah. I think the neighbors heard us. We were laughing so hard, (laughs) but it was just great. It was super nostalgic. I haven't seen it in probably 20 years, something like that. It's been a long time, and it aged pretty damn well besides some jokes that didn't fly, that don't fly anymore, Mm -hmm. but other than that, it's vulgar. It's hysterical, but it feels like real teenagers talking. That's why I like it so much, and I think that's why it's so timeless, because kids still talk like this. Yeah. Oh, I actually have 14, so I'll do another one. Oh, so you did average two a day. <laughs> I did. So I watched Shadow of a Doubt, which is a Alfred Hitchcock film from 1943. It's actually his second Hollywood film. It's really good. It's about this... Wait, no, I think I talked about it last week. I think you did, too. Yeah, I did. Never mind. Never you mind. totally did, man. Never mind. He's Great just, movie, he's though. He's trying to cheat. He really wants that two per day. <laughs> I'm trying to bump those m- numbers up, man. Try and bump them up. Now, let's get into Even like someone who works at a movie theater has nothing on you. <laughs> the projectionist, he can't even keep up with you. Sarah, movies are my life. <laughs> <laughs> if you get that reference, uh, uh, we can be friends. That was, well, you mixed it, you remixed it. You yeah. Re- is a prestige reference. Prestige reference. <laughs> <laughs> he says, Sarah, Magic is my life. You're ridiculous. <laughs> Let's get into the top four of five of you listeners. So first up, we got Dusty. Dusty's top four. First of all, great coordination with the top four poster selection. We got this great white, black, and blue tint for all of your posters. First up, we got Interstellar. Hell yeah. And then Goodwill Hunting. Another banger. It's going to be up there. It's going to be up there. Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Cool pick. That's a pretty common pick. It's a really underrated movie. I think we've heard like five or six of those at least. At least five or at six. At least. <laughs> probably cover it. And then we got Avatar, the first one. Nice. It's a great movie. That's number one. That's a cool pick for your number one. No, Interstellar's number one. Oh, sorry. You, you always get it backwards. Well, you always say. I read from left to right like a normal American who's English speaker. Well, but like sometimes you go four to one, sometimes you go one to four. I've never gone four to one. 
I don't this know. Never happened. Well, I always go. I always read from left to right. Well, I if I'm confused, I'm sure some listeners are confused. No one's confused except for you. I think I think I'm, half the people. Are I like, always go from. I left bet to you right. half people are like. Wait, was he going right to left or left to right, or was he going four to one, hap- one to four? Never happened before. I think that you uh, just always. I don't know. For some reason, you think the last word I say is the number one. I'm just saying the perspective of the audience. I'm sure half the people are listening are in my sh- in my shoes right now. <laughs> They're probably like Anthony never <laughs> specifies if he's going worst to uh, last to first or first to last. I'm sure, yeah. I can't wait for all the comments. I'm, I'm sure someone will. Someone let us know if you're you were confused as well. If you didn't know if he was going first to last or last to first. And then uh, Dusty uh, recently watched Beggars, Social Network, Barbie, Oppenheimer, and then Casino Royale. Four and a half stars. Great rating. I agree with that rating. Another July yeah. entry. <laughs> we're still in July. <laughs> Next up, we got Mark Smullen on Letterboxd. <laughs> I love this one. Jaws, number one. Oh, yeah, baby. Then we got Prisoners. Whoa, that's a great second pick. I love the uh, the poster option. It's Loki looking down, and then he's got like a puzzle on top of his head. I've seen that one. With puzzle pieces on it. It's like the enemy poster. Yeah, it's really fantastic. And then we got Back to the Future. Banger, banger, banger. Perfect movie. All-timer. I mean, I, I could put that in my top four, and I wouldn't be mad about it. Then Parasite. What a great top four. I love it. We that's- have different genres every time, different decades. Really fantastic stuff. I, th- I think I understand why you like our show. You are <laughs> same film taste as us. I mean, we've done great episodes on all four of those. We have. Not going to lie. Not going to lie. Although I'd love to revisit Parasite again. We could do a Bong Joon-ho episode. That'd be fun. Also, great poster selection as well, Dust- uh, Mark. These are great, great He almost called you Dustin Mark. <laughs> no, Can you I believe didn't. that? That I was Anthony. I did not. I did not. Did not. <laughs> call him Mark. <laughs> Recently, Mark's watched. Dustin. He's watched Four Lions, Night of Living Dead. Nice. Roger Rabbit. And then Cloverfield. Cloverfield's good. Very cool. I bet you in a couple months, we're going to get into everyone's October yeah. when they sent them in during <laughs> spooky season. So it'll be a bunch of horror movies. <laughs> Next up, we got Talon Mundo. We got, hold on, let me zoom in. The Taking of Pelham 123, the original. Whoa, I like that Great pick, pick a lot. Really good pick. The remake's excellent as well. Yeah. With uh, Handsome Hawk and uh, Morpheus. Lawrence Fishburne. I thought taking a pellet. Oh, pellet. I'm sorry. It was no, Denzel. Denzel and John Travolta. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I was thinking of Salt Fucking Precinct 13. idiot. Tony Scott made it. <laughs> Tony Scott erasure. We will not stand for this. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Uh, Travolta's good. I was surprised when I saw the remake with Travolta. I was like, ah, it's the bad guy. But then it works. He actually did a good job. Opposite yeah, Denzel. He killed it. And then we got Snatch. I love that pick. Proper fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you like dags? Like dags? Dags? Yeah, dags. dags? What? Oh, dogs? Oh, dogs. Yeah, I like dogs. <laughs> dags? Yeah, dags. <laughs> then we got Taxi Driver. I'm loving these. This is just it's an all-timer. It's a tough guy, a tough guy top four, because then we got Tombstone. <laughs> Fucking love it. I'll be your Huckleberry. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's just like tough guy top four movies. That's badass. I love, I love it. it. And then uh, recently, he's watched True Lies, great movie. The missing of the missing the Lucy Blackman case looks like a true crime doc on Netflix. Then, the OG Ninja Turtles live action. Hell yeah, four and a half stars. I completely agree with that rating. That's that's the correct rating. It's an sir. Accurate rating. The then, correct one. Then, Secret of the Ooze. 
as well. Oh, what, hell yeah. yeah. Ninja Turtles run. This is the same night. What a night. Were oh, you, my wait. God. What a double feature. It sounds like a date night. <laughs> that's great. That's how you That's how you land it, man. If anybody likes Ninja Turtles, but you haven't seen the live actions, do yourself a man, favor so and watch good. the first two. They're fucking great. Nom noms? Nom nom noms. Oh, my God. So It's a cool poster, too. <laughs> ooze. <laughs> fucking love ooze, that movie. Ooze, ooze. That was a good joke in the new one. The new one had some really good jokes it did. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, next up, we got Jaker, 1602. First up, we got Jaker. Buffalo 66. All right. It's actually a really good underrated movie. That's a good pick. It's a good pick. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Nice. Oh, man. Spirited Away. Awesome. And I then, know. probably the Coen Brothers' most underrated movie with Raising Arizona. I, I, would, I would put that up there for sure. It's for, fantastic. They're underrated movies for sure. This is a really cool eclectic top four. I like it. Yeah, it's, I like it. A I lot. like it a lot. Yeah. Very underrated Nick Cage I movie like as it. well. Yeah, he's great in that. He's really funny. This is before they were working with Deacons. Yeah, Deacons didn't shoot this one, but it still looks great. It's very stylish yeah. because it's the Coens. Plus, even like the costume is—it's sort of like a Halloween costume for people. Yeah, absolutely. If you, if you have the mustache and the hair, people would definitely get. In, film people would definitely in get the it. Open button up. Yeah, <laughs> it's an iconic look. All right, next up. Our final top four for today is Josh Adams. We got, oh, nice, a Wim Wenders movie, Paris, Texas. Nice. Great pick. I fucking love that movie. I think that the new Bev did a double feature of Paris, Texas with Raising Arizona. Really? I think they did. I mean, yeah, that sounds like a fun double feature. I think they did like a couple months ago. Man. I didn't go to it, though. Too bad. uh, Wim Wenders is great. Did you see the trailer for his new movie? No. The, The Janitor? Oh, so we were at, when we went to the movies yesterday. You walked in after that trailer played. Gotcha. But he made he made a, a film in Japan about a, a janitor, and then his niece comes to live with him, and it's it looks really sweet and soulful and just really incredible. Oh, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, check out the trailer. The okay. funny thing with that was, so we went and saw. What we see? We saw. I'm blanking. What the hell did we watch? <laughs> it was um, poor things. Poor things in theaters. It was a 12:30 showing. Anthony and I went separately, and then, but I, I don't know why in my brain I thought it was a 12 o'clock showing, and it was AMC, so I'm like, I'll get there at like 12.20, it'll be perfect time, because yeah. the movie won't start till 12.30, because that's with AMC, it's literally a half hour of commercials and trailers, Yeah. and so I stroll in at 12.20, and I'm like, alright, this is going to be perfect, I got here just in time, I got my cup of water, and I get into the theater, and, and they're playing the commercials before the trailers, I'm like, why are they still so playing, like all state commercials, yeah. There are some old people there because they get there so early to stuff. But I'm like, wait, why aren't the trailers playing right now? And then I check my ticket. I'm like, it's a 12:30 screening. That's God why damn. you were so late. So then because I just I I literally walked in like 
at twelve thirty, so yeah. I just missed you. I fucking left the theater. I, I went for a walk. I'm like, this movie's not going to start for another 30 minutes. That makes so much sense because I sat down at like 12, 12, 12, 30, 12, 35. And then I watched like six of the trailers and I was like, James still isn't here. Is he at the wrong theater? <laughs> <laughs> and even the lady, there's an empty seat to my left. And then there's, there's a woman um, to the left of your seat. And she put her stuff on your seat. Yeah. That's <laughs> like so she, rude. Put her, she put her bag and things on, her, on your seat. And then you walked over and she was like, oh, sorry. It's like, <laughs> I was like, dude, this is a, the movie hasn't even started. Yeah, this could be so seat. You think no one's going to sit here? I think 15 minutes into the movie, if the seat's still empty, you can throw something on the seat. For sure. But before the movie starts, it's still someone's seat, possibly. Yeah. I thought was, I saw her put her bag down. I was like, did you really just put your bag down on James's seat? Damn. Because <laughs> it's not like I was on the edge. I was just middle, middle, yeah, man. That's the yeah. money seat. Yeah, exactly. And it, but anyways, you know, <laughs> the movie didn't start till 1 because it was a 1230 showtime at AMC. So I just walked around. <laughs> that makes so much sense. I was like, I was almost about to text you because it was like seven trailers played. I was like, damn, is he like not in the right theater? But then now that makes sense. But they, they, I mean, AMC needs to play less trailers. They really do. I made a TikTok about it and, and half the people were like, no, because uh, I'm always late. They need to keep playing those trailers. How and are you late to your movie? The like showtime is 1230. How can you be a half hour late to the showtime? Also, if you're, if you're late to every showtime, that's your own fault. But like if the movie it says it's going to be at 1230 and you can't even get there by one. That's it's what is not wrong your fault you? if you miss some of the movie. It's your fault if you miss some of the movie. You're gonna miss a half hour of the movie potentially. And I mean, it gets to the point where AMC, I love them, but they play so many trailers where it's like it's literally twelve trailers. And I was just like, this. And the guy next to me, he kept groaning every time there was a new trailer. <laughs> he was like, "Come on!" <laughs> He's like, "Wrap it up. Can we get the movie?" That's the, that's what I mean, man. It's, that's why I show up at like like twenty to twenty five minutes after the showtime at AMC specifically. I feel like they're putting people off. By showing so many trailers. It's exhausting. They're turning people off. It's really exhausting. Because I feel like I've been watching TV for 30 minutes and then the movie starts. Yeah, it's, it's exhausting. Yeah, that's why I don't... I don't, I don't I'd say it. three to five trailers should be the vote. Dude, even if most. I'm early, I like to just walk around the theater. I'll just yeah. walk around and wait for the movie to yeah. get going. And I mean, half the trailers look bad anyways, honestly. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah. Every time. like, I feel like 60% of the trailers I see in theaters, I'm like, not seeing that. Dude, the Blumhouse movie trailers this, this week is that... The pool, the haunted pool one. Night swim. <laughs> with, with like a demon in the in the pool filter. And you know what? <laughs> It'll make $100 million. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is it's this? It's going to probably make bank. It's like there's like a, a – like I used to be afraid of the pool when I was a kid. Who's afraid of the pool? <laughs> it's like, oh my god, there's like a demon in the filter. <laughs> like what the fuck is this? And then there's the teddy bear one. <laughs> I was like, they'll, oh, make, they'll make $100 million. I'm it telling will. you, they're hitting – they're creating this whole horror audience. PG-13 PG horror. PG-13 horror. They're killing yeah. it. <laughs> it's like haunted pool. I just can't get behind it. All right, let's get back into Letterboxd Recap. Yeah, let's get back. Josh, uh, also in his top four is The Graduate. Nice. Perfect movie. You trying to seduce me, Mrs. Robinson? Great poster selection, too. I love these poster selections from everyone. Then we got Marriage Story. Man. Excellent, excellent movie. What a heavy pick. Heavy, heavy So pick. the poster is cool. It's, so you know how it opens with both of the stories they both write? Yeah. Well, she doesn't write it at first. She waits until the end to write hers. And so the poster is... Each side of the one half of the poster is either one of their writings with them in it, and then there's a tear down the middle. Um, it's just, oh man, it's just like a perfect image for the movie. It's great. And then we got oh my god, Josh, you're the man. Phantom Thread. <laughs> fucking love Phantom Thread, man. You just made Anthony so happy. I fucking love Phantom Thread. I almost put it on last night because they added it to Netflix. Man, also, I, Josh still, is I still think he's too fussy. Too fussy. 
Josh's uh, bio says TikTok brought me here. <laughs> I think that happened to all of us with Letterboxd. And then recently, Josh has watched The Virgin Suicides, Suspiria, Scarface, and Something Wild, a great Jonathan Demme movie. All over the place. I Man. really like it. Awesome. Something Wild is fantastic. Highly recommend. Josh gave it four and a half stars. I also gave it four and a half stars in my rating. Cool. That's it for our Letterboxd top five, top four this week from five of you listeners. Thank you for sending those. And if you'd like to have us read your top four on the podcast, all you got to do is send us a screenshot of your letterbox top four on the gram. DM it to us, and we'll throw it into this episode sometime in the next eight years. All right, Anthony, you might as well get into seven of your picks because I only have six left. So I watched two. No, mili- I have five left. <laughs> I watched two military movies. I watched a, a few good men, which I gave four and a half stars, and I just wrote "fuck yes" salute emoji. <laughs> it's so good. It's a perfect like it's a perfect movie in a lot of ways. Um, it's just a, a tad too long, I think. But Tom and Jack are fantastic. Demi Moore is amazing. The screenplay is unbelievable. It's so well written. It's like a perfect like from start to finish screenplay. It really is. Aaron Sorkin is probably the best writer working today. Really, really well directed by Rob Reiner. It's probably his best work as a director, I would say. Really? Yeah, I would say Rob Reiner. A few good men. Because he's made thing. a lot of really good movies. I mean, he's got a very eclectic career of like he did Stand by Me, he did A Few Good Men, he did um, Princess Harry Diaries, yeah, Mary, when Harry Met Sally, Misery, Spinal Tap. Like he's got a really cool filmography. Um, but I, he, I would say maybe when when Harry Met Sally would be his best movie. They're both great, but A Few Good Men fucking hits, man. It slaps. <laughs> Man, the final confrontation. And Jack Nicholson is such a good actor. Like, even this late in his career, he's just, he still disappears. You know what I mean? He's, it doesn't seem like Jack at all. And he's really phenomenal. Amazing movie. And then I watched Paths of Glory, which is a Stanley Kubrick film from 1957. I gave it five stars. It's amazing. Powerful, engrossing, devastating, beautiful. It's absolutely top 10 war film of all time. Um, he's he made two of them, which is crazy. But Paths of Glory, it's not so much about uh, war and battling, but it's um it's about uh, Kirk Douglas plays a lieutenant commander who has to carry out the order of storming a fort, and he and many of his men don't believe they believe it's a it's a task that's suicide. There's no way we can win this battle. We're running into just endless enemy fire. We're all gonna die just to have what win this fort is it worth losing 80 percent of our men and so his outfit runs on to no man's land and they carry out the order but then several of the other outfits of soldiers never leave their um their trench and so they fall back the battle's lost and then they're facing the fallout of the the general wants the general wants repercussions and punishment so he orders that three random soldiers be tried and sentenced to death for cowardice, and so Kirk Douglas's com- uh, lieutenant commander, who's also a lawyer, uh, defends them in a trial, in a, in a, mar- a court martial trial. It's so fucking good. It's so 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 good. Amazing movie, absolutely breathtaking. Check it out. Check it out, everybody. All right, my next pick was a movie. Uh, is a movie we watched together for me. Nice. It's Godzilla minus one. We're doing an episode on it for. Next, or the other day, we did one on Wednesday. We talked about our last uh, letterbox. Did we talk about last yeah. letterbox? Yeah. Whoopsie daisy. Whoopsie daisy. What do you got next? The nightmare. Well, what was your rating? Just to remind fans. Four and a half. Nice. Yeah. I gave, I gave it four. I really enjoyed the hell out of it. it was just, what was your letterbox review? What'd you write? 
holy shit. <laughs> that's it. All caps. <laughs> nice. Holy shit. That's, I like it. That was my reaction. I mean, my jaw was on the floor four times when I saw this movie in theaters. So it, it was incredible. But since we talked about last week, according to Anthony, and according to the episode itself, we definitely did. My next watch <laughs> You're like, was it's coming back. <laughs> an episode we're doing on Wednesday next week, The Nightmare Before Christmas. I gave this four and a half stars. One of my all-time favorite Christmas movies and Halloween movies. You know, this was huge when we were kids because we'll talk about in the episode how stop motion was massive for the 90s and early 2000s. Oh, yeah. I mean, Good not point. only were a ton of movies coming out in stop motion and we were just so accustomed to that format from the past as well in the 50s, 60s, I mean, even the 30s with Ru- Ru- Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. But even TV shows were stop motion. We had so many shows that we watched. And so it was a format that I do miss, even though they still come out. That's why I really loved Pinocchio, Guillermo del Toro's, because it was super nostalgic to see such great stop yeah. motion artistry. And Chicken, Run, Chicken Run's still doing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Dawn of the Nugget, I'm <laughs> I'm looking forward to checking out. And obviously Tim Burton has made st- some stop motions as well. But the format, we don't get a ton of them every year like we used to. And that's also I Love Dogs in some of the sequences in Wes Anderson movies. That's why I'm so drawn to his movies. But this is just a, a film from our childhood that I will watch any any day. I watch it every single holiday season. I love the music. I love the production. I love Tim Burton's aesthetic and his creepiness. Henry Selleck directed this film and directed his butt off. And, you know, Tim Burton was such a huge director at the time. I mean, the 80s and 90s. This guy was so big, he was doing the Batman movies and then obviously got courted to do Superman but never ended up working out. But he maybe made one of the most memorable and iconic Halloween and Christmas movies of all time as well with this movie with Nightmare Before Christmas. So the the voice of Tim Burton, even though it's you know quieted down a bit the last decade or so, he hasn't made as many great movies as he used He's to. He's made some duds. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this movie should remind people how powerful he was in Hollywood at the time, and he was the the it director for about a decade. Tim Burton was. Yeah, he's great. He was him the and guy. Spielberg were he was the top guy. of Hollywood. Yeah, I gave it four and a half stars as well. It's really just a fantastic film. I've seen it so many times, and yet every holiday season, I watch it. It's I either actually I think I either do it on Halloween season or Christmas season. I'll watch it. And what's so cool about the movie? It's the only movie that's interchangeable with both those holidays. Yeah, I mean, there are some horror Christmas movies like Krampus, but when you talk about both— You want to ho- watch that for Halloween. Yeah, though. when you yeah. talk about the, holo- holo- the the holidays of Halloween and Christmas mm-hmm. coming together for a film, I, I can't think of anything else. Yeah, it's really the only one. It's shocking how he did it. And it's really just such a delightful film. It, it's so good, and it's it, it, it's 76 minutes long, and if it's just a perfect runtime. Yeah. It's short and sweet, you know? It gets to the point. And the, the songs are just un- unbelievable. Yeah, and Jack is a great character. Everyone loves Jack. All right, moving on to my next watch was a holiday rom-com called Serendipity. (laughs) (laughs) Serendipity. Starring your favorite actor of all time. Uh, Johnny. John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale. (laughs) It's it's a very cute movie. I gave it three and a half stars. uh, And I wrote, aww. (laughs) So the movie's about serendipity, about fate. Um, about things out of your control, about like the universe working mysterious ways. And Kate Beckinsale's character is being courted by John Cusack's character, John. And uh, she plays Sarah. And she, he's they're both engaged to be married with other people. And he, they, he they're like starstruck in love when they randomly meet at a mall. And he wants to pursue her, but she's like, fate has to decide. And we have to let fate work it out. And it's very cute. It's very sweet. Um, Bridget Moynihan's in it. Jeremy Piven's in it. 
uh, what's his name? John Corbett from My Big Fat Greek Wedding, the the husband in that movie. He plays like a this guy Lars. He's a musician. He's like a flutist musician. It's really funny. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Eugene Levy is so funny in this movie. It's it's a very sweet film. It's not. It's like it's just like one of those you know it's a heartwarming, cute rom coms, and it just hit the spot exactly what I was expecting. And then next up, I watched. Whiplash. We actually are doing an episode on Whiplash in January, so get ready for that. It comes out the second week in January. Yeah, I did. Whip- that was my next watch. What'd you give it for your rating? Five stars, baby. Yes, I wrote five stars. Perfect. One of the best movies of the 21st century. Episode in January. It really is. Damien Chazelle, Anthony, both and I both agree it's still his best work as a filmmaker and director and storyteller. You can see all of his ideas and talent and his genius as a storyteller developing and all the little tricks that he was doing in his style. It's his Reservoir Dogs. It's brilliant. It's a masterpiece. Even though it's the, the cliche film bro, oh yeah, Whiplash is a modern masterpiece. That's the that's a joke going around the internet lately. <laughs> it really is. It's that good of a movie. And Miles Teller is phenomenal, but J.K. Simmons puts on one of the best performances of this entire century as Terrence Fletcher ignites the screen Without J.K. Simmons in this role, this movie is not as good as it is. It would be a very good movie still. And you know, Miles Teller is an excellent lead actor and character as Andrew. But J.K. Simmons is the secret sauce to this movie being a masterpiece. Yeah, great point. I don't think another actor could have made the movie as good as he did. And it is his best film. It's a 5 out of 5. It's a 10 out of 10. And we made a great episode. It was an hour and 50 yeah, minutes. We recorded it. Yeah, it. it's a really good episode. I remember really enjoying it while we were having the conversation. Um, it comes out in the second week of January because like you said earlier, we're recording way ahead of schedule for your trip. So get ready for that. It's a good one. Yeah, I'm halfway through the edit and I'm like, well, this is a really insightful episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what happens when we talk about really great movies. You can't help but True. You, like, let it pour out of you. True, kid. All right. Uh, so what was your next watch, Anthony? There's you... another film we watched together. Which one? Poor Things. Gotcha. So I gave Poor Things four stars, and I wrote, <clears throat> excuse me, visually striking and utterly ridiculous, Poor Things lets Emma Stone and Mark Ruffalo stretch their wonderful comedic chops within a beautifully crafted world. Yorgos tears down society and explores human behavior as he often likes to with his films with much more flair than usual. The result is a hilariously entertaining and endlessly creative bash which slightly falters in its second act, but recovers in grand fashion for the end. I also gave it four stars. I wrote, another banger from Yorgos. The first hour is immaculate cinema. It really is. It's hysterical, ludicrous, and so goddamn fun and entertaining. And we're going to talk more in depth about poor things at the end of the year. We're going to do an episode on the best independent films of 2023. And this will be one of the main features in that episode. And I also wrote, by the time the third act arrives, the stellar production pulls this movie to the finish line after it hits a few speed bumps along the way, everyone is sensational in their roles. And I, I really enjoyed this experience. And, but in Yorgos' career, I really don't put it in his top three or top four for films. It had me for the first hour of thinking it would be his best movie. It's really well made. And the production design is sensational. Emma Stone, god damn. Maybe top 10 actor alive right now she is yeah absolutely top of her game she looks like she had so much fun in this role same thing with willem dafoe mark ruffalo is ridiculous hysterical this movie, this movie was so, so funny. goddamn funny and dry not everyone gets yorgos humor but anthony and i do it hits us right in the funny bone so we were cackling the whole time but it did get a little it it, it kind of 
It meandered it a little bit. It holds itself back. Yeah. It holds itself back in the third act. And you're, I it's thought the, it was, it's not, it's the, the end of the second half leading into the third act. It's just like, it wasn't quite what I was expecting. I thought it would have more to say than it did. By the end of the film, I was like, oh, okay. So I guess it's, it's kind of, it wasn't, it kind of ended yeah. up being a little bit of a cliche ending. It was, uh, it wasn't as deep as I thought it was going to be. Like Yorgos's films, they're, they're so incredible and nuanced. And this one, ironically, wasn't as nuanced as his other films are. But it was still great, but I actually put it at number five for Yogos' filmography. Yeah, I will say it's a Disney movie. It's 20th century mm-hmm. funded. Yeah. So I wonder if there was some plot things that they wanted a little. There's just some to go things like. Um, something that he's never done. Where themes are. Like themes are repeatedly said out loud by characters. And that's yeah. things he's never done in his movies where it's like. We understand what they're saying through the story and action. And he's never been a filmmaker to actually like have characters like say the themes out loud multiple times and kind of like hammer it into the audience. And so I was that was really surprising for for me watching the film. I was like, this isn't quite what he he's 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 usually got a, a lot more substance and nuance to his writing. Yeah, well, he didn't write it, but to it's his a filmmaking. big budget. So yeah. I think that's what happens when you have a big budget and you have a studio like Disney running your film. But I mean, when it comes to his filmography, he's one of our favorites. I mean, The Lobster, The Favorite, Killing of a Sacred Deer. Nimic, Alps, Kaneda. Dogtooth, bro. Dogtooth is incredible. So when you look at his filmography, yeah, I, I put Poor Things probably around five. Dogtooth is still his best movie. I still think that, for me, Killing of a Sacred Deer is my favorite. Then I love The Lobster. I like The Favorite quite a bit. I, I love The Favorite. The Favorite's the sensational. Favorite's, the Favorite's outstanding. But he's an incredible filmmaker, and I, I love seeing his movies It's fun, theaters. and the sex is great. There's a lot yeah. of great sex. It's funny. It's awkward. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. It's really, really outstanding. So it's great. It's if it's, it's if Yorgos made a Frankenstein film. That's what it is. Yeah, you see a lot of naked people in this movie. Willem Dafoe is yeah. awesome. Yeah, as always, he's awesome in this movie. But I really enjoyed it. It's a great cinema experience. It's completely unique, and you won't see anything like it all year. Next up is another movie that we watched together because we recorded an episode on it. It's the great peak cinema of Twilight. <laughs> I gave it three stars, and I wrote, don't judge me. (laughs) (laughs) I put two and a half stars, and I said, I can't tell if I love or hate it. LOL. (laughs) Because I can't tell. Sometimes I'm like, this is some of the worst dialogue or line delivery I've ever seen in a movie. But then other times I'm like, this kind of slaps. This is this is going pretty well. They really got something cooking here. (laughs) But um, (laughs) we're doing an episode on Twilight in January as well, and we're so excited for everyone to tune in because it might be the funniest episode we've ever recorded. It's hilarious. And it's a it's a movie. It certainly is. And I understand why people really adore it and love it. And obviously, it was a phenomenon. When these books came out, they were huge. But then when the movies came out in the 2008, starting with Twilight and going forward to the rest of the movies, this took culture by storm. And I really – I sort of understand why. I never really got into it. I still don't understand. I don't understand. I think I, I think I get it. It's it's so the thing is, it's it's hot and it's sexy, it's appealing, and I think that we've seen a rise of if people don't know, smut is huge right now in terms of erotic novels. They are booming. A lot of women and a lot of men are reading smut right now. It's an insanely 
uh, popular genre of fiction right now. And this kind of taps into that to an extent of fantastical creatures, a love story. It's always been around. Oh, like Fifty Shades. Yeah, yeah. like that, except a little, a little, a little different. More. Yeah, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less. It's like, think of Fifty Shades of Grey, but with the fantasy element. Sure. With creatures, with monsters, with vampires, werewolves. I think this taps into that 100%, mm-hmm. except for like a, a G level, for like G audience versus more PG-13, more R audience. And so I think I understand why people are drawn to it because it's it's alluring. The romanticism, the forbidden love, as well as throwing in the creatures and the fantasy is hot. I get it. I think so I understand. Hot right now. So I, I, I think that's why for a lot of people that this became so popular, sort of just the, the blend of that. But I think... Now I totally understand that perspective with the boom of smut right now. Are you reading smut? No, but I know people. I know a lot of people that do read smut. I know a lot of women that read smut. Like a lot of young women adore that genre. Nice. It's. I'm telling you, it's a real, I really, bet. really I popular. Bet. I bet. You'd be surprised how many girls listen to audiobooks of, <laughs> I of like of of like a girl who's like in this world of demons and vampires, and she has to save the kingdom. So, so guys she falls watch, in guy- love that, with a man who turns into an antelope. <laughs> so, so guys watch porn and girls read smut. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Thank you. That's that's basically what I was saying. <laughs> but Anthony, Anthony went the non-nuanced approach. <laughs> hey, I'm a realist, man. Let's get down to brass tacks. <laughs> but it was a sensation. And I'm telling you, like I said, you were going to laugh hysterically when you listen and watch to this, this episode of Twilight. We did it with our producer, Natalie. She came on camera because she loves the movies. It's so funny. It's a funny one. I can't wait to edit it. Next up, I watched... Fritz Lang's M, five stars, and I wrote, what a picture. It's a really great movie. It's about a German serial killer of children who's then hunted by both the cops and the city criminals because he's fucking up the business for the cop, for the criminals, because they keep getting raided by police, and police are just searching the city of four million people for this killer of children. And then also follows the killer as he's trying to evade the criminals, and the police constantly. It's really great. Unbelievable movie, incredible filmmaking and cinematography, great acting for the time. It's just like such a such a standout in the history of film. And it came out in 1931. It's really, I mean, it's, I can't believe this movie's almost 100 years old because it still holds up so well. Five stars. Five. Five, kid. And then I watched a Jack Ryan movie led by the best Jack Ryan on screen. Can I guess? Oh, yeah. Obviously, a Harrison Ford one. Oh, yeah. Did you watch Clear and Present Danger? I did. Yes. I did watch it. I did. Got it. Harrison Ford and Willem Dafoe is the action duo I didn't know I needed. Three and a half stars. Uh, Patriot Games is a much better movie, his other Jack Ryan movie. It's, it's the be- I think, the best Jack Ryan adaptation. That and uh, Hunt for Red October, they're fantastic. This movie, it's really good. It does get a little slow at times, and it can be a little confusing to follow here and there. But all around, it finishes strong with a really fantastic final 30 minutes of just intense, epic action. Harrison's just so good, and Willem Dafoe is fantastic as well. I just love, like, this is just like a really well-made action espionage movie. Um, They don't really get made like this anymore. It's It's not like the best movie in the world, but it's a good time. And it's just fun to sit back and watch this. It hasn't aged completely well, but I do enjoy it. And Harrison Ford, I think he, I mean, obviously he's so famous for the two big roles he has, but he is really amazing as Jack Ryan as well. If you haven't seen Patriot Games, it's great. 
it's yeah, it's really interesting. Great. If you take away Indiana Jones and Han Solo, like Jack Ryan's probably the biggest character he's ever done. In addition yeah. to that, besides just great singular roles and also the president, but I think yeah, Jack Ryan would be his his biggest thing. Three franchises, man. That's, that just flies under the radar. It's yeah. in the shadow of those exactly. Other two. Yeah, because the other two are so big. All, All right, right, what do you got next? My final film of the week was another holiday classic for me, Gremlins. <laughs> nice. I gave Gremlins four and a half stars. Isn't it so good? Oh, I freaking love this movie. And I wrote, Steven Spielberg presents Christmas Demons, but cute. <laughs> <laughs> I freaking love the idea of the story. Chris Columbus wrote this, and it's terrific. It was directed by Joe Dante. And we've talked about we did a uh, Christmas movie draft c- dropping on Christmas Day, and it's obviously was taken pretty high. And this is one that Anthony and I loved when we were kids. You know, oh, I, yeah. na- I named my first cat Gizmo when I was eight because <laughs> we were we should not have been watching Gremlins that young. Definitely not. That's what the nineties were like, though. And this, That's this why a, we're fucked up, man. Yeah, this is a, <laughs> <laughs> this movie came out in 1984. But obviously, growing up in the nineties, it was still like that. Yeah, watch whatever you want. Just like shut up. Because our brothers bed. were old enough to watch it, but. And then we would just watch what they watched. Yeah, so it, was, it is what it is. Mom and Dad had to let it happen. Actually, they weren't old enough to watch it either. <laughs> they definitely weren't. Yeah, definitely not. But Gremlins was a classic. It's a banger. It is very much a Christmas movie as well. But I love Gizmo so much. Something about the character and the, the design. I just felt so warm and fun and so cute. Gizmo makes me laugh so hard and... The cutest little little guy ever, and it's it gets some good scares. Like it's the, terrifying the school science lab scene, that classroom scene. That's pretty scary. It's scary as hell. Then yeah, when the mom the is getting attacked in the kitchen with yeah. the tree, and yeah. also they blow up. He blows up a goddamn movie theater. Yeah, this movie's crazy. It's wild. I love the pool scene when they're all being birthed out of the water, it's and creepy. then there's the smoke and the light. I was like, this movie. Imagine seeing this in theaters yeah. in the '80s. It would have been awesome. One of my favorite scenes is when they're going through the town trying to escape the madness, and the town is just being ravaged Mayhem. by the gremlins yeah. it's so cool him and the girl trying to escape everything and get to safety and then the final confrontation with spike in the department stores yeah. is great it's amazing <laughs> and i i like the i like the sequel it's not as good this is they're in like the office building yes and, and gizmo, gizmo goes full r- rambo, rambo. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the bow and arrow i fucking love it the paper clip oh bow and my arrow. god fucking <laughs> <laughs> with a pencil he wears a bandana it's a pencil yeah, it's and elastic yeah yeah <laughs> So he makes a paper clip in elastic arrow. Um, what do you call it? Bow. And then the pencils are the, the arrows. Oh, I, I, got, I gotta look this up. It's so Gremlins, funny. Gizmo, uh, bandana, and everything. Rambo. Right? I'm just gonna. Yeah, he wears those. a headband. Yeah, he wears the red headband. Let's look at this. This is amazing. I totally forgot about this. Yeah, it's the paper clip. <laughs> <laughs> paper clip bow with the pencil and the eraser. <laughs> Goddamn Gizmo. This Gizmo's the best. And it's a sweet story, but it's very much a Steven Spielberg feel kind of like feeling <laughs> copycat. It's like make your best Steven Spielberg movie, Joe Dante. And he did. <laughs> he really did. Do so, your best, Joe. Exactly. I really love this movie so much. It's so good. It holds up. It's really great. It, it is a Steven Spielberg presents. Like that's the opening title. Yeah. And yeah, that's how it opens. Yeah. yeah. So that was my that's why they're I, selling it, man. Joe. They're selling that name. All right. Great, great watch. I have three more. You 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 watched another one too. We'll get to it in a sec. Did I miss one? Yeah, Spy Game this is my next watch. Tony Scott film. I gave three and a half stars, and I wrote Tony Scott, my main man, my man. <laughs> this movie is just worth the price of admission to watch Robert Redford and Brad Pitt share the screen together. They're so great, two icons of cinema of acting. Just just going at it. It's got some good action. It's uh it's got some good romance. 
overall it's very like it's got that early 2000s vibe a little too much and Tony Scott he's made some he made some great films and he made some good films and this is one of his good films he hasn't quite he doesn't have quite the illustrious career as Tony as Ridley obviously but he's still just like he was an, an icon and a titan in action cinema the man made Top Gun baby the man made Top Gun um, but it's just a great film it's not the best film in the world obviously but it's a, it's a good time a, like I watched a couple just like action action movies just for fun just for funsies yeah just for funsies because <laughs> i mean i love the genre and there's still a good time and then i watched a movie we just recorded for a patreon episode for dylan the harder they fall which i gave three and a half stars and we did a bonus review for godfather patrons which comes out on saturday harder they fall is a fun western it's really good i gave it three and a half stars great cast incredible cast um action solid Cinematography is really good. It's very stylish. Great music. Great soundtrack. Um, Jameis Samuel really impressed with his feature debut, and overall, it's a really fun time. I gave three and a half stars. I totally forgot that that yeah. was a final watch of mine too. I also gave it three and a half stars. And for a ninety million budget, I think they did a really solid job. And in the bonus episode, we talk about how you know the western genre has been dying. We got some good ones here and there, but it's not as popular as it once was. But this was a new interpret, a new version of a western. You know, make it cool, make it hip, make it sexy. Do something new with the production design, with the cast, and I think it's a lot of fun. And Idris is Idris amazing. is the man. Lakeith is awesome as well. But it hasn't like when you watch it now with everything that with, with the John, lead actor, with Jonathan yeah. Majors' career, what's been going on? It's like, is he a good guy? When I watch this movie, I don't know. It's <laughs> so it's like a weird watch if you've seen it lately. But yeah. overall, it was a, when it got dropped on Netflix back in 2021. It was received very well. It was on my watch list for a while, but I'm I'm glad I finally got around to watching it. Yeah, I watched it because now I use your Netflix. Yeah, it's just one of those st- streaming movies that in 2021 they were just putting them there. They were putting them online, and they kind of disappeared. If this got released in theaters, I would have a thousand percent seen it in theaters. Yeah, plus because they were putting so many on out in that just, time, you'd see it advertised for like a for couple a week. weeks, then it just yeah. like, disappear. You'd forget every about movie it. that was going on in 2021. And also, it's different when you're not when you're not watching movie trailers in a theater. For me. It's not as like impactful of like, oh, I gotta see that. You know what I mean? When you don't see the trailers in theaters, and when you see it on your phone, it's not like it's not the same. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point because most streaming movies you don't see the trailers for them in theaters. Yeah, never. It's always just on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So it's just like when you see a great trailer in a theater, you're like, I gotta see that ASAP, right when it comes out. It's a good point. Yeah, it's a really good point, Anthony. My final watch for this week was. An Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock classic from 1940, Rebecca, which I gave five stars, and I wrote Hitchcock's first Hollywood film is still one of his best. It's one of his most, it's probably his most underappreciated film. It does have good ratings. It's a 4.1 on Letterboxd, it's an 8, 8.1 on IMDb, but just doesn't have that many watches. Only 13,000 reviews on Letterboxd, so it's not, it hasn't, it's not really very widely seen. This is the first film he made in Hollywood, and it's a great gothic horror tale, great mystery incredible fucking shots like he was like what he was doing with the camera just wasn't being done back then he was doing these incredible long takes that they're like 30 20 second long takes and they're common nowadays but like nobody was doing it back then like there's a shot where it opens on a napkin with initials on it and then he pulls it back all the way to reveal like several characters and then the entire room and you're like holy fuck when was this made? <laughs> like the crane work in this movie is exceptional, great miniature work, incredible production design. It just like what he was doing as a director 
he was so inventive and so creative and so brilliant. So many people who haven't seen his, they've seen the hits, but they haven't seen much of his work. And when you watch more Hitchcock movies, you're like, this guy was just, I don't know. I don't understand how his mind worked so like ingeniously and creatively. Like he really is one of the greatest to ever be a greatest in history of filmmaking. And this is an example of that. It's so exceptionally well done. It's unbelievable. I love it. Hell, Rebecca. Yeah. All right, that wraps. Hell to the yeah. Letterbox recap. My guy this Fred. Week, your guy Fred. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for sending in those Letterbox top four favorites, as well as, like Anthony said earlier, if you want yours right on the show and reacted to by us, just send us an Instagram direct message with your Letterbox top four. Again, episodes that we just posted this week. We did Godzilla minus one on Wednesday. On Monday, we did American Pie. Next week, coming up, we have fantastic episodes. We have The Nightmare Before Christmas on Wednesday. And then on Monday, we're going to do Wonka, Timothy Chalamet's Golden Globe-nominated film. And I can't wait to see his performance, which we're going to see tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Very excited about it. Other than that, thank you so much for tuning in. Become a patron today at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. It's the best way to support the show. You get awesome perks like bonus episodes as well as access to the ad-free version of every single main episode. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Helps us get seen by new people and chart on the platforms. And, of course, share us with your friends and family members. It's the best way for a show, for a podcast to grow organically. Word of mouth is integral to Raiders of the Lost Podcast succeeding in paying the bills and helping Anthony get his Trader Joe's. Oh, yeah. And the good dry cat food for Juno. Not the bad stuff, the good stuff. He actually loves Purina now. Purina, yeah. That's his jam. He goes crazy for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He He changed it up. He was like, he's woofing it down. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, I've never seen him eat dry food like this before. (laughs) Thank you all so much for tuning in, and see you next time. See ya. Sorry, so Anthony's line. You can say it. He keeps stealing my line like every time. (laughs) Sorry, just go for it. I'm taking over. Say say it. I don't want to say it now. No, say it. See see you next time. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.